Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our lead pastor, Mike Wares. Experience is all about getting you connected here at Northridge. Let me tell you why that's so important. If you don't connect with a, a community group or a serving team, can I tell you what will happen is you'll fall away. Uh, you, you come into this room, it's a big room, and there's lots of folks here, and, and you know what happens? You, you can come in and leave and never even be noticed. And, and so one of the reasons that we want to invite you to Next Step Experience is to get you connected so you can be taken care of. Now, the, 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 the video wasn't quite exactly right. In September, we're going to do it on September 8th, on the 2nd and 3rd, because we didn't want to start it on Labor Day weekend. So, know that's coming, and we would love for you to be a part of it. You guys blessed me this morning, just listening to you sing, listening to you raise your voices. And uh, I, I got to tell you, it, it, it ministered to me. Let's just jump in. We're in Daniel, the first chapter, in uh, verse 1. In Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the, year, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Uh, Babylon. They were the world power of that time. And they decided that they were going to come to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was probably the, the, the city of about six to maybe 8,000 people. And they came and they took it. They broke down the walls. And what they would have done at that point is they would have collected all the young men and women, those that were strong, those that were smart, those that were beautiful, and they would have taken them to Babylon to serve as their slaves, okay? You, you get the picture. Uh, the, the town is decimated. Uh, all the best is gone, and it's broken down. And, and that's where we begin. And we're going to look at a, a young man named Daniel. When this happens, Daniel is about 10 to 13 years old. And now he finds himself in Babylon where he doesn't understand the language. He doesn't understand the customs. He's eating food that he would have never eaten as a good Jewish young man. He's listening to music and, and, and all sorts of things. And there is no faith anchor in that place. There's nothing but foreign gods. And it's a very dark place where they are sacrificing children, where they are doing things that, is, that would be unthinkable to, to anybody that was trusting God. And so what's going to happen today, this is the sermon in a sentence, is, is Daniel is going to show us how we fight our battles when we live in a culture of darkness. And let me tell you this, folks. We live in a culture of darkness. You only need to watch the evening news to understand that. So we're going to start out today. I'm going to give you three of Satan's strategies. You're going to see that in this passage. And then after that, I'm going to give you two ways that we fight our battle and we win. In case you don't know this, when you became a Christ follower, when you were born again, you were given a birthmark. And that birthmark is a bullseye. Satan has put it there, and he wants to bring you down, just as he wanted to bring Daniel down. And what we're going to see as we read and we look at this passage is how Satan is going to attack, and I hope it is eye-opening for you because it can save you a lot of heartache. Let's go, let's go in, the book of, uh, in, in the book of Daniel, the first chapter in verse 3. He says, Then the king ordered Aspenaz, the chief of his court officials, to bring to the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, 
handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He wanted the best and the most, uh, the the, the smartest. He wanted the the ones that were the strongest. And, And can I tell you what's happening here? They've been separated from Jerusalem, and now, now Aspenaz is going to take a few young men and separate them even further. So the first way that Satan is going to try to attack us is he wants to separate us from the body of Christ. He wants to separate us from the body of Christ. It, this is what Satan wants to do. He wants to pull every one of us away from this gathering on Sunday morning. That's why when I talked just a minute ago about Next Step Experience, I'm telling you that that's where you need to get plugged in because you're going to find a community group. You're going to find a serving team that will help know that you're here. Can I tell you what? I don't know all of y'all. I don't know when you show up and when you don't. It breaks my heart that I can't know that. But if you get involved in a team, if you get involved in a community group, you know what happens? We can take care of you. But otherwise, you get separated and you're lost. There's a, there's a statistic flowing around right now. It says the average churchgoer attends 1.6 times a month. Can I tell you what that says to me? That it's a time of danger because they're beginning to be separated. They're, they're not staying connected. I, I, there's this verse in 1 Peter 5, 8, and it's one that really sticks in my mind. It says Satan roams around like a roaring lion. He roams around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I've got a picture up here. It's a picture of a hyena and a zebra. That hyena is a killing machine. That zebra is lunch. Now, he is not going to attack a herd of zebras. He's going to attack a zebra that's off by himself, and he will take it down, and he will have it for lunch. The same thing for us, if we get separated from the body of Christ, if we are not tight within the body of Christ where people can watch us and take care of us, we will be had for lunch by Satan. This is just a warning. This is just a warning. If you find yourselves finding reasons why you can't be with us on Sunday, can I tell you what, that should be the red lights going off in your head. Because sometimes they're going to say, well, I've got recreation that I've got to do on Sunday morning. That should be a warning. Or I've got work that I've got to do. That should be a warning. Or the lake is calling and the water is so beautiful. That should be a warning. Because as soon as you're separated from here, you're fair game. The Hebrew writer, in Hebrews 10 and 24, he says this, he says to, to make sure that you continue to meet together. Why? Because when we get apart, when we get apart, we're easy prey. Let's keep on reading in the book of Daniel. He says he was to teach them the language. He's to teach Daniel and his friends the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. The second way that Satan is going to attack is this, is that he's going to try to brainwash us through immersion. Can I tell you what was going on with Daniel and with his friends? They were immersed into that society. They were taught how to think like a Babylonian. They wanted them to be a Babylonian. And they they wanted them to crave the food. They wanted them to have the wine. Wine is such an important part of this because it lowers the resistance. Wow. Wow. 
Now, just think about it for just a minute. I'm 63, and I've seen some changes in my life. And it's kind of like, have you, you've heard about the frog in the kettle, haven't you? I don't recommend doing this, but you've heard about it probably. If you take a frog, and you put him in a kettle with some water, and then you begin to raise the heat slowly, what happens? He doesn't realize it, but he's cooked. Don't go home and do this, okay? I'm 63. And you know what? I've watched the temperature rise a little bit. I remember a time when you were watching TV, and if there was a bedroom scene, it involved a husband and wife, a man and a woman, and there would have been two beds, and there would have been clothing that went from here and covered all the way down to the toes. Do you think the temperature's gone up just a little bit? Because now we're used to just about anything. I can remember a time when I could watch TV and never hear any foul language at all. And now if I watch TV and there isn't foul language, I'm surprised. Wow, that, that, that was refreshing. But do you feel the temperature rising? Or if you turn on a reality show, you'll see everything that is against God's word. And we allow it to come into our living rooms and we don't think anything about it. Can I tell you what? The temperature is rising. The Hebrew writer says it this way in Hebrews 2.1. He says, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we've heard so that we do not drift away. Let me tell you what that is. We need to know what's in this book so that we'll know when the temperature's rising so that we can get out of the pot before we're cooked. Maybe you're thinking like I do. I, I, read, these first two, uh, I read these first two and I thought, is he talking about our university system? Separate them from everything they know. Separate them uh, from family. Separate them from, from their, their faith anchors. And, and, and then begin to reboot them. Because here it says that they were trying to reboot Daniel. And how long? Three years they were figuring. For us, it were a little slower, I guess. Four years, five years, six years. To get us to think differently. If you're a college student, let me just tell you. Those first two... They're happening to you right now, and you've got to not let the temperature get too high, or you'll find yourself cooked. Third thing that Satan is going to do is he's going to give us a new identity. He's going to give us a new identity. We find this in Daniel 1 and verse 6, and this is what it says there. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel. Uh, the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Now, that, that's some pretty neat names. And uh, can I just tell you, God's been giving people new names for a long time. There was this guy in the Old Testament named Abram, and that name means father. But, but God promised him that he was going to be the father of many, so he changed it to Abraham, which means the father of many. There was this guy named Cephas that meant stone, but he changed his name to Peter because he was going to be, have a big impact. He was that big rock. And then there was this guy named Saul who killed Christians. And when he stopped that, you know what happened? It was called Paul. But I want you to see right here the, the subtle identity changes that we're having. The first one, the first name that is there is Daniel. And Daniel means God is my judge. God is my standard. God is the one that I'm going to look to. And so Daniel has that name, but then his name is changed to Belshazzar. 
Lady, protect the king. That's a girl's name. When a society begins to move away from God, one of the first things that is always there is gender confusion. That should be a warning sign for us today. Let's go on to the next name. Hananiah. Yahweh has been gracious. God has been good. God has taken care of me. God is on my side. Now, listen to what his new name means. Shadrach, I am fearful of God. Oh, I, I, I don't even want to be around God. He's not gracious. He's mad at me. Let's go on to the next name. Mishael. Who is what God is? Who is like my God? My, my God is good. My God is good. And, and then I want you to hear his second name, Meshach. I am despised and shameful before God. God, 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 God can't stand me. God can't look at me. I'm going to stop right here for just a second. I believe some of you all may have taken that identity because there's something in your past. It's straight from the pit of hell. God is gracious. God loves you. You are not despised. One more name, Azariah. Azariah, Yahweh has helped. Yahweh has helped. Yahweh has been there. Yahweh has been the one that has sustained me. Yahweh is the one that gets me through. And then listen to his new name, Abednego. Servant of Nebo. Can I tell you what that's all about? That was one of their gods. What it's really saying is, oh, Yahweh hadn't helped you. You need to find a new God. Your God can't help you. Can I tell you what you need? You, you, you need to, to turn to something else that will satisfy your soul. You need to turn to, to pleasure, or you need to turn to fame, or you need to turn to money. You need a new God because your God hasn't done it. Now, you're probably sitting here and you say, you know what, Mike? I haven't changed my name. My name hasn't been changed. Maybe if you've been married. But let me just run a few names by you that maybe you've heard. Have anybody in here ever had somebody call you a failure? You don't have to raise your hands. But I bet that's so, isn't it? Some of you in here might have been called an addict. An addict. How about loser? Some in here might have been told that they're not good enough. Maybe someone along the line said that you were stupid. Maybe somebody told you that you were guilty. Maybe somebody told you that you were ugly. We could go on, couldn't we? And the names are going to get uglier, and they're going to get meaner. They're going to get foul. But you know what? Satan has told many of us and changed our names. I want you to know, I want you to know, we sang about the one name that you need to have, the one thing that you need to understand about you. I know right now some of y'all are thinking, you know what, that's a, a label, that's a tag that's been given to me over the years. And can I tell you what, you need to get that out there, you need to replace it. We sang about it earlier, and it's just this, it's six words, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. Tomorrow when the world tells you that you're a failure, or this afternoon when you go home and you look in your checkbook and there isn't enough money and you think, I'm a loser, what you need to remember is that you are a child of God. 
When, 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 when Satan tries to remind you that he, because he is accuser that you're guilty, what you have to do is say, no, 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 I am a child of God. I've been forgiven. And I, I need you to say those words with me. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. And if you can just reboot your mind with that, you'll begin to have the life within you that that God wants. You'll begin to understand that you have an inheritance in Him, that that He is with you. It's that simple. I am a child of God. Two ways that we're going to win the battle. We know that Satan is going to come at us. He's going to try to separate us. We know on top of that that he's going to try to to brainwash us to get us things different, and he's going to give us a new identity. Two ways. Two ways, to, two keys to winning the battle, and, and I want you to hear this. We, we're going to start in Daniel 1.8. Daniel 1.8. He says, but Daniel resolved. I love that word, resolved. Daniel resolved. Can you say that with me? Daniel resolved. Not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for the permission not to defile himself this way. He made up his mind. This is what he did. He says, I'm going to stand on God's truth. This is where I stand. This food would not be what I should eat as a good Jewish young man. If I am to eat it, I'm going to say that I am friends with these people and I am not friends with them. I'm going to stand here. I'm going to draw a line in the sand and I am not going to cross it. I'm going to put up a boundary and I'm not going to forget it. I'm not going to ignore it. I'm going to stand where I stand. Can I tell you what? His life was in danger at that point. Because you don't tell your master no in that society. The master could have killed him. But this is what I know. This is what I've seen all my life. Is that when I stand where God wants me to stand, I stand in his protection and in his favor. That's how it works. When I stand where God wants me to stand, I will stand in his protection and his favor. He will work with me. He will stand with me. And he will hold me up. I like what Paul told Timothy. 2 Timothy 1.12. He says, I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. I know whom I have believed. What Paul is saying, I am going to stand on the truth of Jesus Christ. I know who I believed, and I'm convinced that he's going to take care of everything until that day when he returns. I'm convinced that not only is he going to take care of everything until that day, but he's going to take care of everything until eternity. Paul says, this is what I know. I stand on the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I stand with the one that was there before the beginning, and I stand with the one that will be there from everlasting to everlasting. I am standing with the King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm going to stand with the one who can turn water into wine. I'm going to stand with the one that can walk on water. I'm going to stand with the one who can feed 5,000 people out of a lunchbox. I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand with the one that can raise a child from the dead. I'm going to stand for the one that can raise himself from the dead. Can I get an amen? Will you stand there? Because if not, you step out from under the protection and the favor of God. Second way that we fight our battles, the first one is by standing on God's truth. The second way is to have godly friends. There was Daniel, and there was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
There were four of them. There may have been a few more, but he surrounded himself with godly friends. There were people that would help him stand right there. I'm going to tell you, this is so important. This is so important. If you're a college student or if you're in high school or middle schooler, this is one thing I would tell you right now. I can predict your future. I can predict your future just by who you hang out with, by your close associates. And this is the truth. If you're hanging out with those that are moving away from God, you're going to be moving in the same direction. If you're hanging out with those that are moving toward God, you're going to be moving towards Him. I want you to see what Paul writes in in, in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 33. He says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good morals. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good morals. I used to work at a camp, and uh, every summer we would have this thing, tug of war, okay? You probably played this. We would dig a big pit, and we would put all sorts of nastiness in it, and then the camp staff, which I was a part of, and the volunteer staff would have this tug of war, and the idea was to drag everybody through there. It was a a bad week. The other side, the volunteer staff, they were all hulks, okay? They were huge. I I mean, there was no way that we were going to make it. So we got over on our side, and we had devised a plan to, to win, okay? Kind of. So the front guy, who's at the very beginning, just as his feet were about to slip into the abyss and we were going to be dragged into the nastiness, he went, ho! And we all let go of the rope. They went flying. Can I tell you what? I think that's what we got to do sometimes with our friends that are dragging us through the nastiness, we have to say, oh, I'm done. They're pulling me the wrong direction. I don't know if you guys saw this. Trevor Lawrence, he was the quarterback for Clemson when they won the national championship. Now, uh, he's a pretty amazing young man. Uh, He's 19 years old when he wins the national championship. He's only 18 when he starts college. And so he's there, he wins the national championship, and the young lady that is interviewing him asks him this question, how did you keep your head on straight? And this is what he said, I owe it all to my small group. Go back and watch the interview. 19 years old, and he just simply says, I've surrounded myself with the right type of people we got to have godly friends. Let me tell you three things that godly friends will do for you. Pretty simple. They're going to be there. They're going to be there. (laughs) That doesn't sound like much, but can I tell you, when there's somebody near you and they're with you, it helps. had one of my elders sitting with me this morning. It helped me. Second thing, second thing is they're going to help you stand. They're going to help you stand. Sometimes you can't stand. Did you know that? Sometimes you just collapse. Sometimes you don't know how to even stand. And they pick you up and they stand with you. And they hold you up. Whew. Next one is they remind you of who you are. I have, I have some friends in my life. I, the, the guys that we call elders, the leaders of the church. Uh, I, I, I got to tell you, I can't do what I could do without them and, and having them there. They remind me of who I am. You need somebody to remind you because Satan is going to throw at you every single minute. You're not, you're not anything. You're, you're guilty. But let me tell you what, 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 a, what a friend in Christ would remind you of. He'd remind you that you're an overcomer. 
He would remind you that you're an overcomer. That, 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 yeah, you might be a loser, but now you're an overcomer and you can stand strong. He, he's going to remind you that you're a saint, that you've been set apart. He's going to remind you that you are God's workmanship. He's going to remind you, yeah, you might have been a slave to fear at one time, but now you've been redeemed and you are a child of God. He's going to remind you that you're chosen. God has chosen you and wants you on his team. He's going to remind you that you are a friend of God. Most of all, he's going to remind you that you're a child of God. Daniel fought the battle and he won. Towards the end of Daniel's life, he, he says, uh, I'm going to pray no matter what. They told him, you can't pray. If you pray, you know what? To your God, you're going in a lion's den. So Daniel was thrown in a lion's den. He resolved. He resolved. And, and he wasn't going to do it. So I, I, I just want you to hear this and I want you to understand this. It, it is that Daniel made a difference. Why? Because he stood on God's truth. And because... He had godly friends around him. I want you to see what, what Daniel did. He's been thrown in the lion's den. The king comes and looks, and he says, hey, he finds that Daniel was not eaten by the lions. And then this is what the king says. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. This is pretty strong here. If I pause, you might say an amen. Okay? says, for he is the living God and he endures forever. That was pretty weak. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and saves us. He performed signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Amen. Father, we thank you for being that God. And we come today, Father, just to say, work in us. Father, I pray today that people that maybe need to hear the warnings of the way Satan is attacking them right now, that they will hear it. And Father, I pray that every single one of us will stand on your truth and surround ourselves with your people. Father, work in us right now. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know where you are. But maybe you heard a warning that you need to, to heed today. Maybe you need to stand on God's truth. Maybe you need to say, hey, I'm ready to, to take a stand with him in, in the waters of baptism. This is what I'm saying. We're going to sing that song again. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Let it sink in. And when you leave here today, live as his child. Let's stand. Let's sing. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at